0: Climate change is in the news just about every day now, but if you're not up to speed on the latest climate science and want to know where we're headed as a planet, a good place to start would be the IPCC 6th assessment report, which was published in March, 2023. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change compiled the report based on the content of three working group assessment reports and three special reports. As the planet rapidly approaches the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold for global warming, There's a growing sense of urgency among those who believe environmental disaster awaits us on the other side. Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. I'm David Hilgen. Our guest today should be familiar to dedicated followers of the podcast. David Edsey is Climate Director, Sustainability Underwriting for Zurich North America. He joins us for the third time to discuss climate change, the latest IPCC report, and the significance of 1.5 degrees Celsius. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, David, and thanks for having me. David, I've been reading about the impacts of climate change for years, so I I like to think I know a few things, Uh, but the IPCC report is densely packed with information. For those who haven't read it yet, and it is available online, can you attempt to unpack it for us? I'll give it a try, David. And first of all, it's probably
1: worth emphasizing the authoritativeness of this report, um, yeah, you know, it's very well respected. The IPCC has been around now for thirty-five years. Um, it was established by the World Meteorological Society and the United Nations Environmental Program. In this latest sixth assessment report it's approved by one hundred and ninety-five countries as well as thousands of climate scientists and policy experts from across the globe. So what it represents is really a broad consensus on climate science. And as you mentioned, this is a a synthesis report. There's really nothing new. It takes all of the reports from the entire sixth assessment cycle, which has been going on for all about five years, and it summarizes them into this final sixth assessment synthesis report. Okay. Uh, so th- this is going to be the last report until we get to the seventh assessment reports, which will begin to be assembled in another five to seven years. This report is pretty dense. Uh, there's no way I can unpack the whole thing on this podcast. But let me try to summarize a few of the main points. And again, th- we've all heard this, but I think one of the key messages is that the global surface temperatures now have risen to 1.1 degrees Celsius above where they were about 150 years ago Um, and that 1.1 degree and that's about 2.2 degrees fahrenheit that's an average across the whole planet so it's actually 1.59 degrees celsius higher over land and about 0.88 degrees celsius higher over the ocean so most of us live on the land so we're experiencing that 1.59 degrees celsius increase Um, So, why why has it risen? It is because humans have emitted about 2,400 gigatons, that's billions of tons of CO2 in the atmosphere since 1850. And 42% of those emissions have occurred just since 1990. and And, of course those emissions are largely from the burning of fossil fuels. And humans have caused other greenhouse gases to be emitted at volumes that were never seen before in the pre-industrial world other than carbon dioxide, and that's namely methane, uh, nitrous oxide, and fluorinated gases. Um, So as a result of the concentration of these greenhouse gases in our atmosphere, um, they're, they're higher than they've been in millions of years. Um, CO2 is now present at 410 parts per million and before industrial times it was pretty steady at about 280 parts per million. Uh, Methane and nitrous oxide are also now present in the atmosphere at much higher concentrations than any time in the last about 800,000 years. Uh, So it's this increased concentration of gases in our atmosphere that's heating our planet. It's worth noting that um, you know, just for perspective, the depth of our atmosphere, where most of these greenhouse gases are retained, it's only about five to ten miles high. Okay. Um, so, it, as my, I have a nephew that works at NASA,
2: yeah.
0: and
1: uh, he he gave me this analogy. It's it's kind of like a a tissue paper wrapped around a bowling ball. Um, that's about the thickness of our atmosphere. So the point is, is that, you know, we've been emitting all of these greenhouse gases into the air, um, and it's not limitless. It's actually very thin. And and now, um, you know, we're starting to pay the price.
0: It's interesting. I'm now looking for my bowling ball and some tissue to to make real that analogy. It's interesting analogy. By the way, I have an net- in-law who works at SpaceX, so a rocket scientist in the family. We'll have to get them together. <laughs> um so yeah that again interesting analogy so does the IPCC report address how much more carbon we can emit before reaching dangerous limits yes
1: it does and that's referred to as our carbon budget okay um, so we, we hear a lot of talk about um, keeping global warming within 1.5 degrees celsius or two two degrees celsius which which is about 2.7 to 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, and so what it what the IPCC report does address, what is the carbon budget to keep global warming within those limits? Yeah. And, and that's really that 1.5 to 2 degrees. That's what climate scientists say we need to keep global warming to if we're going to keep life in our planet recognizable. You know, to what yeah. we're used to. So climate scientists have determined that for every 1,000 gigatons of CO2 emitted, and again, that's billions of tons, yeah. um, global temperatures will rise about 0. 0.45 degrees Celsius or 0. 0.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so for context, global CO2 emissions have been hovering around 40 gigatons for the last 10 okay. years. Um, they're starting to level off a little bit at 40 gigatons. I mean, they've been going up to that amount, um, you know, for the last 150 years. Uh, We still haven't started to go down, but at least we started to level off a little bit. Uh Um, So CO2 um, remains in the atmosphere um, for between 300 to 1,000 years. Um, So that's why scientists talk about this carbon budget. Because CO2 stays up there so long, there's a limit to how much carbon we can keep burning until it gets really hot down here. Um, So the IPCC report says that beginning in 2020, the remaining carbon budget to keep global warming beneath 1.5 degrees Celsius is 500 gigatons. And to keep it beneath 2 degrees Celsius, it's 1,150 gigatons. Okay. Um, So if, if you take... 40 gigatons a year, um, if we stay on that trajectory, Uh um, we'll hit 1.5 degrees of warming in about 2032, and two degrees in about 2050. Um, Of course, another big variable are these other greenhouse gases, uh, methane, Uh nitrous oxide, the fluorinated gases. I mean, those gases are much more potent at trapping heat than CO2. I think methane is like 28 times more potent than CO2 and nitrous oxide is 265 times more potent than CO2. So the, the amount of those gases can also, cause um, causes a lot of variability and when will hit uh, the 1.5 degree or, or two degrees Celsius of warming.
0: Yeah, and by methane, we're talking about a lot of sources, including the cows who are passing gas in the field, but just one of the sources.
1: That is right. absolutely correct, David. Um, I think methane is about 60% of the methane is from human causes um, and, and about half of that is from agriculture, including yeah.
0: cows. Yeah. So the World Meteorological Organization is now predicting, though, oh, that the world will breach 1.5 degrees Celsius mark by 2027. I'm not sure how accurate that prediction is, but it's well ahead of prior predictions. If that should happen, though... What's next?
1: Yeah, that um, news just broke oh, a couple within the last two weeks. Yeah. The good news is, is that what the um, the WMO is predicting is only temporary. Okay. So th- what 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 they're saying is, is that due to El Nino weather patterns that are going to mm-hmm. be developing later this year, um, yeah. and the continued greenhouse gas emissions, yeah. that there is a sixty six percent chance that the one point five degrees threshold will be reached within one of the next five years, Uh, but it's not going to be permanent. Um, So we may hit that 1.5 degrees warming in say three years, but then we'll fall back down to maybe, you know, 1.2, 1.1 where we are right now. Um, Another study, however, recently published just at the beginning of this year, um, it was in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, um, they use climate models and, and AI um, mm-hmm. in their research, and, and they found that the world is on track to reach 1.5 of global warming by the early 2030s. Okay, um, and that's pretty consistent with the numbers I was just yeah. talking about earlier with the carbon budget. Um, but, but to your question about the impacts, yeah, um, I mean we're already seeing pretty severe impacts at 1.1 degree of warming. Yeah. Um, you know, sea levels have risen about eight inches already above 1900 levels, um, and it's expected to rise another foot by 2100. We're also seeing more intense rainfall, bigger and wetter hurricanes, droughts, melting polar ice caps, glaciers, mountain ice caps are melting, you know, and that's resulting in shrinking of inland lakes and rivers. Yeah. Um, you know, Lake Mead being the example I think that we're all aware of, you know, and of course, more extreme heat waves. So, as warming gets beyond um, where we are now or even beyond one point five or two degrees, scientists warn of these tipping points that may be irreversible within you know the next hundreds or thousands of years. And some of those tipping points are things like species extinction and biodiversity loss. And, yeah, you, know, you think about all the creatures on this planet, um, sure. Their hair is a result of thousands or millions of years of evolution to adapt to a life on a planet that has a relatively or had a relatively stable climate for hundreds of thousands of years. Now, all of a sudden, within the last 50 years, the climate's thrown out of whack, it's getting warmer, and a lot of those creatures aren't going to survive if it gets warmer than 1.5 or 2 degrees Celsius. Um, You know, other tipping points are, are, you know, ecosystem loss. I mean, particularly forests, Um, loss of coral reefs. Um, Per the IPCC report, at 1.5 degree warming, we're going to lose 70 to 90 percent of coral reefs. And at two degrees warming, more than 99 percent of coral reefs will die off. Um, So that's that's pretty scary when you think about, you know, coral reefs really being the place where so many Fish and sea creatures are present. Yeah. you get away from those coral, You know, the coral reefs are basically the rainforests of the ocean. Yeah, uh, as, as far That's as a good our, way of putting biodiversity. it, biodiversity. Um, you know, other tipping points are the Antarctic ice sheets. The Greenland ice sheets are likely to be likely to be lost past two to three degrees warming. Um, sea level rise, of course, is going to continue to remain high for thousands of years. Um, And, and of course, you know, the more frequent wildfires, longer wildfire season, uh, extreme, more extreme rainfall, intense heat waves and drought.
0: In addressing climate change and global warming, where should we be focusing our efforts on now? What things can we be doing now that will get the best bang for our buck, as they say?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, to answer your question, I really have to give a plug to one of my favorite NGOs, um, uh-huh. and that's Project Drawdown, Yeah. Uh, because that's what they do. Uh, and you can find them at drawdown.org. Okay. Um, so Project Drawdown are, are scientists uh, and other professionals that, that have answered your question, David, about how can we get the best bang for our buck as far yeah. as mitigating climate change? Um, You know, they start with the science and they look at, you know, what are the largest sources of greenhouse gas emissions, and then they list the 50 or so um, optimal climate solutions, and they describe them and also provide, you know, what are the potential reductions in greenhouse gases achievable through this solution over the next 30 years or so. Yeah. Um, so just to highlight some of the things we can do immediately that okay. will have a positive effect, a very significant positive effect on climate change. Um, I mean, first is the restoration and protection of tropical rainforests um, and also temperate forests. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our rainforests are really the primary carbon sinks um, on our planet. I mean, they sequester billions of tons mm-hmm. of carbon dioxide. And over the recent decades, they have really suffered, you know, extensive clearing, fragmentation, you know, depletion of the biodiversity, you know, largely from making room for agriculture and from mining. Yeah. So w- one of the best solutions is really to restore, um, replant those forests, um, to protect the existing forests. Um, And and that also has great co-benefits to to the biodiversity in those areas, and also it benefits the local populations. Another uh, immediate thing that we can do that will have a great effect on reducing global warming is methane leak management. As I mentioned earlier, methane is much more potent than carbon dioxide and trapping heat about 28 more times. One of the good things about methane is that it only stays in the atmosphere for about 12 years. So it has a much shorter shelf life than carbon dioxide, which stays up there for hundreds or thousands of years. So if we can turn down the tap on methane, we could actually see, you know, real positive effects on global warming just within within 12 years. Um, and, and one of the areas that we can address, again, there's a number of sources of methane. One of the largest sources is, um, methane escaping in our gas and oil supply lines, you know through leaks and also sure. through voluntary releases that occur in operations, you know bleeding methane from these supply lines. So if we can fix the leaks and put a cap on on these voluntary releases, it can make a very positive and immediate impact on mitigating global warming. Interesting. You know, other again otherwise, David, I mean obviously we need to continue transitioning our energy, our transportation, sure our homes and buildings away from fossil fuels and into electricity from renewable sources
0: yeah so so uh, you know the ways that businesses operate so a lot of what you're talking about is fueled by businesses so the way they operate it can have a huge impact on climate change so uh, obviously it's important that they play part in reducing these greenhouse gas emissions but there seems to be a lot more at stake for businesses than just helping to save the planet like Like, for instance, what are some of the ways that climate change, these rising temperatures can actually hurt businesses?
1: Well, to start, according to the World Economic Forum, Uh about 50 percent of global GDP depends on nature. Yeah. So the climate crisis and the biodiversity ecosystem crisis are are linked. As the climate crisis threatens ecosystems, Uh which it is doing, our economy as a whole is being threatened. Um, the world, I think, has already lost about 69% of its wildlife population in the half century. That's a scary statistic.
2: Um, yeah. But
1: a- apart from ecosystem decline, um, I mean, climate change will threaten businesses differently depending on where the businesses are located and what industry we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but I think it's likely that all businesses are going to be affected in one way or another by climate change. I mean, the obvious effect is going to be, you know, increased uh, more severe weather events, um, you know, which are going to affect physical locations, you know, in addition to drought and shifting water resources. But there's also the transition risk uh, that is affecting many businesses as the economy moves away from fossil fuels. The oil and gas industry, of course, is the most exposed to this transition risk. Um, some estimates are that 1.4 trillion in oil and gas assets are at risk of becoming stranded assets or becoming worthless. Yeah, um, and, and that's going to have a larger effect than uh, on our economy than just the oil and the gas industry, because our financial system is so heavily invested in fossil fuels. So, although climate change obviously you know poses huge risks to our economy and companies operating within it. There's also opportunities presented in combating climate change that are enormous. Yeah. Um, so as new technologies and industries emerge to decarbonize the different sectors of our economy, energy, transportation, buildings, industry, and food and ag, um, it's going to create new opportunities and markets.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the uh, real winners in the business world will be those that recognize now the need to transition and are preparing for it. Exactly. So David, I want to switch over to some of the work you're doing at Zurich, specifically the employee climate interest group you've been leading for a couple of years. Can you tell me how that came about and what you hope to accomplish by bringing Zurich employees together to discuss climate change? Yeah, thanks, David, for
1: mentioning that. Um, the group is almost two years old now. We have about 150 members made up of employees of Zurich in North America. Purpose it is largely to share and to educate the members on climate change science. We also look at laws to mitigate climate change and commercial yep. developments in response to climate change. And additionally, we we talk about um, everything that Zurich is doing in response to climate change, as far as um, our our net zero commitments in our operations, in our investment portfolio, and in our underwriting portfolio. And finally, we also... In the group discuss what we can do in our own lives and our own households to make a positive impact on climate a subgroup just emerged from from the climate interest group called go green at home and what they're doing is recommending different green products to uh to zurich employees so i'm pretty excited about
0: that well yeah it's always those are some of the most interesting parts of the meetings i've attended most of the climate interest group meetings i can it's always encouraged encouraging to see so many of our colleagues share their passion for climate issues. Well, David, thanks for joining us again on the Future of Risk podcast. It's always a pleasure talking to you.
1: David, thank you. The pleasure
0: was all mine.
1: I hope to come back again sometime.
0: And thanks also to our listeners for tuning in to Future of Risk. I'm David Hilgen. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you liked the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at and join us next week.